Holy Spirit, we just thank you. I ask that you would have your way, that you would take my every word and you would lead it. I submit myself completely and totally to you. I thank you for every life that has walked into this room. I thank you for those that have been following you for years, those who have been following you for just a couple of weeks, and those who are maybe not following you at all. I pray that you would speak divinely to each of us, that we would steward the word that you give and that you would have your way in this time that we have together. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So if you are taking notes, well, I'm not going to tell you the title yet. <laughs> I'll tell you soon. But listen, um, since 2020, word, which has been super irritating, I've been like, God, can you please give me a new word? He's like, no, I need you to pay attention to this word. And the word that the Lord keeps saying to me is this. There is an alarm sounding. There is an alarm that is going off. Do not hit snooze. It's time to wake up. There is an alarm sounding. It keeps going off. Do not hit snooze. It is time to wake up. And I sense in the spirit what the Lord is saying to every single one of us that are wanting to push snooze into my husband's detriment. I am a physical snoozer. Where are my snoozers at? You love to like, okay, good. I'm not the only one. This man sets an alarm. He swings his feet over the bed. He gets up, usually goes and gets me a cup of coffee and brings it in. And I'm like, snooze just one more time. And, and so that's what I tend to do in the physical, except for I, I, I'm acting like I get more sleep, but really I'm just ruining my circadian rhythm, right? Um, but what I am see, seeing and sensing over these last four years is that the Lord is saying to his believers, I need you wide awake. Stop hitting snooze on your life. Stop hitting snooze to the sin that you are hiding. Stop hitting snooze to the issues in your marriage. Stop Stop hitting snooze to where you need to get on your knees for your children. Stop hitting snooze to everything that is going on in this hour and stepping back because we need to step in. We need to be armed, ready to step in as the army of the Lord. And so in this hour, the Lord needs us awake with our eyes to fix. He needs us set free and on fire and combat ready. He needs us combat ready, which is crazy. That's what he keeps showing me over and over again. Andy, I know you want to lay down. I know you want to go to sleep in this hour. I know you're tired. I know you're weary. But put your armor back on, suit up, and step in where I'm asking you to step in. And that's what he needs from us. But here's what I've learned too. It's really hard to be combat ready in the spirit when we're unknowingly bound or asleep at the wheel of our faith. And the truth is, is that the Lord is crying out to us. I hear it over and over again. Awake, O oh sleepers. Awake, O oh sleeper. Rise from the dead. There's a war in the spirit going on. Hello? There's a war in the flesh going on. There is a war in the flesh. We have an election year upon us. Ah! We need to be Christians. We actually need to lean in and build our lives on the right thing and understand our authority in this hour, in the regions and spaces God has called us to. Believers need to be wide awake, ready with extra oil, walking in the presence and the power of God. My dad uh, was in the Navy, the US Navy, and he served in Vietnam. He was a gunner on a riverboat. And I think we have a picture of him in boot camp. And he used to tell us this story, isn't he cute? Um, 
He used to tell us stories of how he actually really enjoyed boot camp, which I was always like, why? Well, he grew up in a very chaotic household and he loved the structure of boot camp. He loved that he knew when he woke up in the morning how he was gonna need to fix his bed, how he was gonna be yelled at, what the orders were gonna be. He loved the structure. He loved knowing what was coming. But then he told us, and we've got a picture. These are the pictures of him on the riverboat. He told us that the moment that he graduated from boot camp and was put in that plane and flew over the top of combat and watched it happening, that all of a sudden his whole life was wide awake to the war that was in front of him. And a lot of times, this is what we have to understand, we're in boot camp. Almost all the time, we prefer boot camp. We wake up in the morning, we have our rhythms, we do what we do with God, but there are moments in time, and even in this hour where war in the spirit is on our doorstep, for our marriages, for our health, for our freedom, for our children, for our nation, for our people, for our churches, for our generations and the generations to come, and we cannot afford to be asleep in this hour. We have to be awake and ready for the combat that is in front of us. So are we awake or are we taking a break? We're taking a little break, you know? Hey, you know, I'll just have a break. I'll come back to being awake later. I'm so tired of this, right? But truly, are we awake or taking a break? Are we hitting snooze and ignoring the alarm that is sounding? Are we making room for God? Are we prepared for anything at any time, whatever he needs? I love Ephesians 5, 13 through 21. It's really deeply been speaking to me and it's because God keeps saying these words to me. He keeps challenging me. I would never bring something that's just a good idea. I will always bring something that I continue to live, right? And the Lord keeps using these words with me. He's saying that, he says this in Ephesians 5, 13 through 21. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For everything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ's light will shine on you. I'm going to stop there for a moment. The context of this whole piece of scripture is about us awakening to the sin, awakening to the hidden things. The Lord's saying, you do not have time to go asleep on this area of your life. You need to awaken, repent, turn from your ways, and live and walk differently. And so then it goes on to say this, look carefully then at how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is and do not get drunk on wine for that is debauchery, but be filled with the spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So contextually, I love to see why a piece of scripture says what it says and look at all of the scripture that's around it. So in the context of Ephesians 5, it's this whole storyline of in verses one through two, it's talking about what the Christ life like looks like. So this, I would encourage you, don't just hear this word, go back home and read Ephesians 5. Break this down for yourselves. Ask what the Lord is saying to you, but it talks about the Christ-like life and then what the corrupt life looks like. So it gives you the juxtaposition of what it looks like to follow Jesus and what it doesn't look like to follow Jesus. Then it shows what the confused life looks like. 
Hello, who knows we are in a world thrown into confusion in this day, in this hour. So we need to be girded in the scripture and understand truth. But then what I just read to you is showing us what a cleansed life looks like, what a life of repentance, what a life in the light looks like going, I'm not gonna allow this to be in the dark. I'm not gonna hide this little thing and keep it tucked away. To let parts of my heart and my life be asleep at the wheel, I need to be awakened. So I'm bringing this out into the light. So therefore, when we do that, the last part of Ephesians talks about the consecrated life, which is the laid down life. Lord, my life is completely yours. I do not want to live in the darkness. Not one inch, not one little piece of me wants to be hidden away. I want to live in the light and lay it all down for you. And that is the hour we are in, where we do not have time to live meh, Christianity, that's not Christianity at all. You're either on fire and following him or you're turning and doing your own thing and you are your own idol. Your life is your own idol. So how will we live? I pray that we would rise up, that we would awaken, we would live a laid down life. So what I wanna do in the time that we have together is share with you a few things where the Lord has been saying, Andy, I need you to wake up. Andy, tell the church to wake up in these areas of their lives. And the first one is this, that we would wake up and fix our eyes. That we would wake up and fix our eyes. At the uh, Revival and Marriage uh, retreat, sorry, retreat, conference, dance party. Yeah, dance party. At the dance party we had, um, my husband was sharing about some of the good work that he gets to do. And he works and oversees, one of the things that he does is overseeing a place called the Retreat at Church Creek, where really the whole vision of it is that pastors and leaders across the world would live well and finish strong. It's a place of prevention and a place where we come in and re we really come alongside pastors to create community and see healing in their lives. And, and I was leading one of these retreats not too long ago, just before the new year kicked over. And I as I led this retreat, I had a morning where I felt the Lord nudge me and say, hey, Andy, I want you to come out onto the dock with me. So what did I do? I was like, all right, well, let me just grab my phone for our quiet time together, Lord. And I felt the Lord say, leave your phone. And I was like, excuse me, leave my phone. But what if I need to take a beautiful picture of our quiet time together and post it and show the world how holy I am? And I felt like the Lord was like, are you being serious right now? I was like, no, it was a joke. <laughs> and I left my phone and I walked out to go and just spend time with the Lord. Hello, who misses like the 1980s and everything, you know, even the early 90s, right? Like where we just rode our bikes everywhere. I, I think we should all just get flip phones and pretend we're in the CIA. What do you guys think? Oh yeah. I know. I got a flip phone. What do you think I do for a living? Throw your phone in the river and get a flip phone. But um, anyway, I went out and as I got out to the dock and I stood there, right before I even put my foot out there, I felt the spirit of God say to me, Andy, I need you to fix your eyes. I need you to look at me. I need you to focus. You are distracted with many things. You are saying yes to things I'm not asking you to say yes to and no to things I don't want you to say no to looking at me. And I was like, well, that is intense. <laughs> but really, truly, I feel like in this hour, this is what the Lord is doing. He is showing us 
that he needs us to fix our eyes. Like a loving and tender father, like a toddler that's like hopped up on sugar and can't focus because that's us with our phones and with our life and with everything going on. We're like toddlers hopped up on sugar and he's trying to grab our faces and go, look at me, pay attention to me, listen to what I'm saying, obey me. Don't obey the ways of this world and culture. Look at me. Look at me, wake up and fix your eyes. Proverbs 4, 25 through 27 says, let your eyes look forward. Fix your gaze straight ahead. Carefully consider the path for your feet and all your ways will be established. Don't turn to the right or to the left. Keep your feet away from evil. That speaks to distraction. Don't turn this way. Don't turn that way. Fix your eyes. Know the path. Keep your feet from evil. Pay attention to wisdom and what the Lord is asking you to do. You know, distraction, the synonyms for distraction, I love like digging deep on a word and understanding more. But the the synonyms for distraction are interference, interruption, diversion, disturbance, and confusion. How many of you feel like you're in a place of confusion when you're distracted? You're like, I don't really, like we, you may even be in this room going, I don't actually really know what the Lord wants for me, but I want someone to tell me. I want a word. I want, and you know what? Maybe you will get a word. You don't know. But also the Lord is saying, you can get it right from me. As we spend time together, as you dig into my word, as you remain undistracted, and this will help with confusion because the opposite uh, of the synonyms of distraction, the opposite of distraction is focused, eyes fixed, peace, order, and calm. How many of you know that even when it's crazy out there, when your eyes are fixed on Jesus, you can walk in his peace? And that is honestly what we are looking for with him. And in this day and hour, it's so easy to be distracted. On my computer, when I'm working, I have like 70 tabs open. Where are my people at? You got all the tabs. I'm like, why do we do this to ourselves? And then at night, I'm like, oh, should I shut down my computer? Do I leave the tabs open? Do, ah, I don't know what to do. Because what if I forget? I'm so worried that if I close that, you know, does that happen? It actually happens in our spirit, in our brain, in our mind too. I have this meme that I saw and I was like, wow, nothing could be truer. Don't forget to close all the tabs in your head too right? And that's what the Lord is saying to us. Let me encourage you in one thing, just very practically. In your time with Jesus in the morning that, or in the evening or in the middle of the day or as you go along because he's there always, but as your intentional time to read his word, I know for me, one of the things that I struggle with the most is just, again, bringing that phone with me everywhere I go, like it's an appendage. So recently it's, it's like this new practice of put it in the drawer, put it in another room, but then you're like, but what if I have to write my to-do list? What if I need to check Instagram? What if I need, right? Your brain is so used to, you'll notice how many times you go to reach for it when it's not there. But this is what I would say too, is bring a notepad, bring a little pad of paper, something with you so that if your brain does ping and there's things that you need to do, you write it on that pad of paper and you put it in your phone later. Teach yourself to be focused. Teach yourself to have your eyes fixed. This is why the disciplines matter. They actually build us and strengthen us. Because one thing that I have learned is that distraction in our faith walk quickly turns into apathy. When we're distracted, we become apathetic very quickly. And the synonyms for apathy are indifference, insensitivity, and lethargy. 
Hello, we've all been there, haven't we? In our faith walk where you're like, we get so distracted by everything else and then we become apathetic and we're like, I think I, did I read my Bible this week? Yeah, Lord, that sermon was good. Can that be my Bible reading, right? Uh, we don't step into, we don't long for the presence of God. We fall asleep at the wheel. We become apathetic. We become lethargic in our time with Jesus instead of being on fire for him. When the opposite is passion and interest and feeling and care care and concern and warmth and sensitivity to what's going on around us. One of these practices that we have done in our household, because I want to raise children that have care and concern and empathy and sensitivity and look people in the eye and see what's going on in their world and have a conversation. I mean, my poor kids, we pastored in New York City. So really, they were just always with adults. So they know how to talk adults, you know? <laughs> they, we prayed and prayed for kids to come to our church for years. And then they did. And there were so many. But... My kids know how to carry on a conversation, but when they got their phones, we shared this at the um, a retreat yesterday, was that one thing we decided to do is that there are no phones allowed at our table. We don't have phones at the table, at the dinner table. We don't have phones at the table when we go out to eat. Now, some of you may be like, you have a religious spirit. <laughs> Cast it out of me. But, but hey, hey, the whole idea was that we learned how to break bread and look each other in the eye. That we learned how to actually hear and listen to each other, to have empathy, to lean in. And sometimes it's like pulling teeth, but sometimes it's so, so amazing to watch how they love and care for each other and learn to really hear. So, so it's just these simple practices that we can put into place. And I wanna share just one scripture with you out of Philippians 4. If you're wondering, how do I live undistracted? Well, let's look at Philippians 4. What does it say? It starts out by saying, don't worry about anything. That's funny, God. <laughs> don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Imagine if just for the next 24 hours, the moment worry came up for you, you went, oh, I'm not gonna go there. I'm gonna bring this to you, God. I'm gonna bring this to you. I'm gonna choose not to worry and I'm going to bring it to you. It says, tell God what you need and thank him for what he's done. So maybe you need deliverance. Maybe you need healing. Maybe you're worried about many things. Tell him what you need, but also thank him for what he's done. Why do we thank him for what he's done? So we remember his faithfulness. We remember how good he is in the middle of our worry, in the middle of us not thinking God will move, in the middle of our distraction, in the middle of us pulling back and trying to fix everything for ourselves. He says, stop, remember who I am, remember what I've done. And when you come to me, tell me what you need, but also thank me for what I've already done. Thank me for what I've already done. Then you will do what? You will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything you can understand. We all need that peace, do we not? In this day and hour, his peace that will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So maybe it's time to wake up Wake up and fix your eyes. Where are you distracted? Where can you remove distraction? What areas of your life can you begin to practice just being fixed on Jesus? Amen? All right. The second one is this, that we would wake up as a people and live free that we would wake up and live free. And I know that sounds crazy because it's like, wait a second, I have Jesus, of course I'm free, yes. But I think one of the things that breaks my heart the most when I travel and in my own church is when our eyes are blinded to the areas of our life where we have allowed ourselves to live bound. 
There are so many believers where you're like, you know what? It's just gonna be like this, so it's fine. I, I, I understand, like, I'm just gonna let it be when there is so much freedom for every single one of us. You better believe this week. I mean, when I tell you how dark it gets for me sometimes when the enemy comes knocking back on my door, this week he literally said the words to me, get back in your cage. And I was like, excuse me? I'm so sorry, please do not, like rage that filled me. I grabbed my husband, I was like, this is literally what's happening. The place the enemy is trying to bring me back to in our lives, in my life, and he's saying, get back in your cage, you be quiet. And I remember the rage that filled me as I was like, don't talk to me like that. I plead the blood of Jesus. I plead the blood of Jesus over me. You cannot touch me when the blood of Jesus is on me and I will fight for freedom for my life and I will fight for freedom for others' lives. So you better be quiet in Jesus' name, not my name, in his name. But I have to fight for it sometimes. Oh, it's so annoying. How annoying is the sanctification journey sometimes, right? But here's what I wanna share with you. We have heard time and time again, whether it's on movies or from platforms, a scripture that is often preached out of context. We hear this one line, we tattoo it on our bodies, we tell the world about it, we post it somewhere and the truth will set you free, right? Completely out of context of the scripture. Because the truth of my past trauma, that doesn't set me free. The truth of the pain today does not set me free. Hashtag my truth does not set me free. So what sets me free? Well, listen to this scripture in context, John 8, 31 through 32. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, in context to this, Jesus is literally speaking to a crowd of Jews and some of them have said, this is the Messiah. This is right after he has told the adulterous woman, go and sin no more, go and leave your life. They're watching all this stuff happening. Some of them, the scales fell off their eyes. They realize he's the Messiah. And then right away, he is telling them how to walk in freedom and that it's no longer by the law, but by what he's about to say. If you abide in my word, if you abide in my word, not if you read my word, not if you have your favorite quote of my word. No, think of a pregnant woman. That baby is abiding within her. They are connected. There is no separation. And that is how it is with our Jesus. As we abide in his word, as we become his word, as we speak his word, as we realize there is no separation, as we're driving, we remind ourselves of his word. As we're in the shower, we remind ourselves of his word. As we're in conversation, we remind ourselves, we abide, we abide, we become we understand, we live, we follow. He says this, if you abide in my word, then you're truly my disciples. Not just if you know my word, isn't that interesting? You can know his word and not be his disciple. You have to abide in it, become it, know it, live it. He says, and then you will know the truth. You will know it. And that is the truth that will set you completely free. When we know who he really is and what he can really do, and we've seen it time and time again in our lives, there is nowhere else to run except into his presence to abide with him. My husband cannot set me free. Jesus sets me free and he sets you free, amen. <laughs> and the last one, I'll just touch on it is my prayer is that we as God's people, that we would wake up and fan the flame, that we would wake up and fan 
the flame. There's this sweet little video of my daughter when she was, gosh, probably five or six years old. And she was, we were at a sisterhood night and there was that song, set a fire down in my soul. Do you know that one? That I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more of you, God. And she went wild. You know how children, we'll just watch it. Look at her. She just, her body started to like, really. (laughs) She pushed through everybody, ran to the front. It's that childlike faith. This is why I love this church. I'm watching y'all on fire here. I'm watching it, but look at her. She's like, literally put it in me. Put the fire in God. I need it. I want it. Isn't it the best? Her little curls, sweet girl. That I think about us, right? (laughs) And there are some of us where you know what? You've been set free in prayer. You've been set free in so many ways, but you are locked up in your body. And the Lord is saying to you, it is time to move your body and be set free, right? That is what the Lord is literally Some of you, it's about movement in your body. It's going, I don't want to be bound anymore. God, I refuse to be bound anymore. And maybe you're like, I'm not doing that at church because that's weird. (laughs) Well, then go home and close the door and turn on wild worship music and get it on with Jesus. Unlock the things in your body, bring freedom. God, I used to be so on fire for you. Some of you are going, when I first got saved, I was winning people to Jesus. And then a few months later, Jesus started bringing up my issues and we had to deal with my heart stuff. And I'm still kind of mad about that. And so we're, we're going, no, I wanna see the lost and be broken for them. God, I want this fire that feels like embers that are dying down. Would you breathe your Holy Spirit on them? And God, I refuse to sit back. Even though I really want to, I don't wanna be bound. I will move and ask for you to move in my life. Amen. Because we don't ask for enough. So often we ask for too little. Isn't that crazy? We think, well, if I ask God to do this, what if he doesn't? Or if I ask, No, lean in, there is more. There is always, always more. In your own time, I would love for you to read Revelation 3. In your own time, write it down. Read Revelation 3, 14 through 20. The reason why I'm asking you to take it home and read it is it's the letter to the lukewarm church, the church of Laodicea. Every time I read it, it challenges me to the core. So that's your homework. Go home and present yourself to God and go, God, where am I lukewarm? Where do I need to repent? What do you want to enlighten in me so that I can turn from my ways and turn to you? How can I live as a dead man, a dead woman walking who is totally free and alive in you? I'm gonna read a quote to you and then pray. My brother, my younger brother, Parker, who is a wild man, he is so passionate, so disciplined. I mean, he's like a CrossFitter who's huge. He put CrossFit in his own, like in his own garage. Cause he's like, I'm just gonna do it here. (laughs) They asked him to compete in the CrossFit games back in the day. And he said no, cause of like his focus on Jesus. He's he's wild. He did a 40 day water fast. We were all like, (laughs) and after he was done, my huge brother looked like he had just literally come out of a concentration camp, but he was so on fire things started to shift and change because why? The 
prize was Jesus. He just wanted Jesus. And he wrote this, these words in his book, The Way of the Victorious. He said, in every single one of us, there is a desire to have something worth dying for so that we can truly live. It's what we're all searching for. What if you knew beyond a shadow of a doubt with everything in you that the hope you have in Christ was worth laying it down all down for, even including your own life? This is what freedom looks like. It looks like a Christian soldier with a mind of steel and a heart of flesh, unattached to the things of this world that push and pull on him in every direction, truthful in the face of catastrophe, loving in the face of humiliation, full of hope amidst a hopeless situation, holy and set apart in a world of shattered morality. Oh Jesus, that we would be a people that lay it all down, God, would you wake us up and show us where we need to fix our eyes and live undistracted? Holy Spirit, right now, would you reveal to us the areas where we need to wake up in our lives and live free? And Father, those places where the embers are dying down, Holy Spirit, would you blow and fan the flame and would we fan the flame and do whatever it takes to stoke the fire in our lives? We love you. We need you and we want to live wide awake in this day and in this hour. In Jesus' name. Now I just want to pray for one group of people before I give it back to Pastor Aaron. And listen, maybe you haven't awoken just yet to how radically loved you are by Jesus and you're not following him. You know, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. And we live in a day and age that says, no, there are many ways to God. No, there's not. There's only one way. And it is through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. There is nobody else that died for you or was risen again so that you could have life and life to the full. Many people are hashtagging their own truth. You know, I'll find my own truth. No, there is only one truth. And it is in the body and the life of Jesus Christ, the word that was made flesh. And many of you are looking for the meaning of life and you're not finding it in your horoscope. You're not finding it in the stars. You're not finding it in any of these things. You know where it's found? Jesus is also the meaning of life. He is life. He is the way, the truth, and the life. But we have to lay down our own way, our own truth, and our own life. Turn from our life of sin and say, I want you and only you. So today, if you wanna be a Christian, a follower of Jesus Christ, if you're like, my way, my truth, my life, it's not working this way. I want to be crucified with Christ so that I can be raised again in His resurrection power. If that's you and you're in this room and you're going, I wanna follow Jesus, I'm done with my way. All over this room at the count of three, I just want you to raise your hand boldly and say, I'm following Jesus today. One, two, three, lift them up all over this room. Come on, come on, come on, yes, amen. Yes, yes, amen. Amen. So now here's what we're going to do. We're going to confess with our mouth what we believe in our hearts to be true, that Jesus is the Son of God. And then you are born again. You are made new. So repeat after me, everybody who raised your hand, but all of the family, let's pray together. Say, Father God, thank you for loving me. I believe that you sent your one and only Son, Jesus Christ 
to live a perfect sinless life, to die in my place and to rise again so that I could have eternal life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and transform me in your love. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen.